This morning we're continuing our series that we've started just a couple weeks ago called It's Not Over. The first week we talked about the fact that it's not over even when it's over. And then last week we talked about it's not over even when you lose everything. And this morning the title of the message for today is It's Not Over Even When You're Afraid. You know, Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.7, he wrote this, he said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God did not give you a spirit of fear. It's not over even when you're afraid. How many of you have ever been afraid before? Give me an amen in the comment section. Turn back with me, back to the Old Testament, to the book of Judges. Judges is the seventh book of the Old Testament. You can turn there. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6. And I, I, we're going to meet a man this morning. We're going to talk about a man this morning who was very, very afraid. Judges 6. It, it, it's not over even when we're afraid. Look at verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive... The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountains, uh, and excuse me, in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. L let me give you a little bit of background on this. 200 years before this happened, Israel had defeated the Midianites in a great battle. The Lord had, had, had brought them to victory, and, and then for 200 years, Israel had, had dominated over, over the Midianites. And, and so we, the thing is, when we have victory after victory after victory, and life is just going really well for us, the, what we do as humans, we have this tendency, we can get arrogant and we can get a little cocky. We, we begin to sometimes believe that, that the success that, we, that we're enjoying, that we brought it to ourselves. And the Bible says that's what happened here. And Israel has become arrogant and cocky. They, they've begun to believe that their, own, their success has come from themselves. And, and the Bible says they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So, so God gave them over to the hands of the Midianites for seven years. Now, now imagine this. For, for 200 years, the Midianites have been, have been waiting for this moment. They have been wanting revenge. For 200 years, they have been planning how they would, if they are ever strong enough, this is how we're going to get Israel back. And for, for 200 years, the Midianites have been saying, listen, we want another shot at Israel. We want, we want a, you know, another round. We want a rematch. And the power of Midian has grown so strong during this time. Israel is shrinking back, but the Midianites are multiplying and they're, they're, they're populating like rabbits. I mean, the, the Bible says there's, there are so many of them. It's like a swarm of locusts. There were so many of them. They were just everywhere. And Israel becomes so afraid that in the face of this Midianite oppression that they begin to prepare shelters for themselves. And they, they're hiding in, in mountain caves and, and they're hiding in strongholds. Why? Well, because look what happened in verse 4, excuse me, verse 3. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and their buddies, the Amalekites and other, Mid, other eastern peoples inv invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor, nor donkeys. So Israel plants a crop. The Midianites uh, burn it up. Israel has some donkeys and the Midianites kill them. Israel raises some sheep and the Midianites destroy them. Everything that they have, the Midianites are taking from them. It says, they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invited the land to ravage it. 
Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Look, it says it got so bad that they had to call out to God for help again. You know, when, when it was going good, they forgot about God. I mean, anybody been there in your life? Things were going great and you just sort of forget about, about God. But then it got so bad that they cried out to God again. The, the Midianites, they're, they were a, 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 they're a fearsome people and they're, they're destroying the people of Israel. So Israel calls out to God and then God answers them. Look at verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the, the Abelzrite, where his son Gideon, now this is not the guy who leaves Bibles in the hotels, it's another guy named Gideon, this is where they get their name. You thought it was some guy that left his Bible there and there, uh, but, but this is the original guy. So Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the, uh, from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So here's Gideon. What's he doing? He, he's doing his job. He is threshing wheat. His job is to, try, is to try to bring in part of the harvest, but he's not doing it out in the open. He's doing it, uh, not doing it on the threshing floor. He's doing it in a wine press. He's doing it in a place where he won't be seen, where he won't be discovered. He's, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's getting food for his family. He's getting food for his tribe, but he's doing it in hiding. So why is he in hiding? Well, he's in hiding because he's afraid. He, he's fearful. He's, he's hiding there and his knees are knocking and his hands are trembling. He's doing his job, but he's doing it in secret in hopes that the Midianites won't discover him and destroy him. And suddenly, while he's doing this, the angel of the Lord appears to him with a message from God. And he says, the Lord is with you. And, and, and what did the angel call him? He said, the Lord is with you. And the angel of the Lord called him a mighty warrior. I don't know about you, I read that and I think, God must be a little confused here. Because here's Gideon, he's hiding, he's, he's doing his job in secret, his knees are knocking, his hands are trembling, he's trying not to be captured by the Midianites, and God comes up and he speaks into his life, and the angel of the Lord says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And here's what I know. Sometimes God sees more in you than you see in yourself. Sometimes God looks into your heart and he sees things that you don't even know are, are there. Gideon uh, did not see that he was a mighty warrior at all. Gideon knew that he was afraid. Gideon knew that he was fearful. Gideon knew that he was weak. Gideon knew that he was on the run. But God looked into Gideon's heart and God spoke what Gideon would, could become, not what Gideon was. And here's what I want you to understand today. God believes in you sometimes even more than you believe in him. God sees in your heart, and he looks inside there, and he sees the seeds of greatness. He, God sees the potential. He sees what you can become. God doesn't see just what you are. God sees what you can be. So he says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now I want you to notice there are two responses that Gideon gives, and, and they, they can be our response when God comes to us when we're afraid and fearful, when we're discouraged, when we're downcast in our souls. And the angel says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But look at verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all of his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The first thing I want you to see this morning 
is that Gideon was afraid that God wasn't faithful. Gideon was afraid that God wasn't faithful. It's all summed up with that three-letter question, why? God, why have you abandoned us? God, why have you left us? God, why have you allowed the Midianites to destroy us? God, why have you brought us into this? Now, the the author of the book of Judges tells us exactly why, but uh, that the Israelites had forgotten God and and the Lord had turned them over to the Midianites as judgment for what, what they had done. But Gideon doesn't understand that. Gideon is just asking the question that if we're honest, all of us have asked at one time or another, God, why? Why? God, why why did you let this sickness come into my family? God, why did you let this person who has served you faithfully for years uh, begin to suffer this way? God, why, why didn't you take care of them? Why didn't you heal them? Why didn't you deliver them? Why didn't you protect us? Why, why didn't you keep us out of that? God, why did I lose my job? God, why did that thing I prayed for not come about? God, why did this whole COVID-19 thing happen? God, why? If you are with this, then why have you not done something about the situation in which we find ourselves how many of you would admit that you've asked the why question before well Gideon asked why and he's questioning he's saying is God going to be faithful the angel of the Lord says the Lord is with you but Gideon says if God is with us then why do I feel abandoned? If he's with us, then why are the Midianites in control? If God is with us, then why isn't he doing something about our situation? Gideon was afraid that God wasn't faithful. You know what he was doing? Gideon was really asking the question, can I trust God? Can I trust God? Can I count on your word, God? Can I, can I believe what you are saying to me right now, God? Gideon is saying in this moment, he's saying, I'm hiding in this wine press. He's saying, I'm hiding here, not just because I'm a big chicken. I'm hiding here because I'm afraid that God can't be trusted. Have you ever held back from doing something because you wondered if God could be trusted? God's looking, uh, excuse me, Gideon's looking around and thinking that it's over for Israel. But God says to him, it's not over because I'm with you and because you're a mighty warrior. But look at the second thing. Gideon was afraid not only that God was not faithful, but Gideon was afraid that he wasn't good enough. Look at what it says in verse 15. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. How on earth am I supposed to save Israel? God, you got the wrong guy. God, I want you to look at this situation that you're talking about here. I'm afraid. I'm in hiding. How can I do this thing that you're calling me to do? How can I possibly deliver the people of Israel? He says, listen, God, I, Manasseh, the tribe I'm in, that's the weakest tribe of all, and my family is the least in the whole tribe. Manasseh is not a very strong tribe. My family is the lowest family in the entire tribe, and I'm the weenie of my family. That's what he's saying. How can I save Israel? I am the weakest of the weak. And God looks down and and sees Gideon and Gideon looks at himself and he says to himself, I understand who I really am. He says, I don't have anything to offer you, God. I'm messed up. I'm all jacked up. I'm the lowest of the low. He says, God, I, I, I don't have a degree. God, I don't, I'm not smart enough. God, my, I, I didn't graduate at the top of my class. In fact, God, I made the, I'm, was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. Some of you can relate with that. 
Gideon says, you got the wrong guy. God, I am the lowest. I'm insecure. I'm, I'm unsure. I'm afraid. I, I'm in living in doubt. You got the wrong guy. But God says, go in the strength you have. I'll be with you and we'll strike down the Midianites together. Let me ask you this important question for you to consider this morning. What has fear kept you from doing that God has called you to do? What has fear kept you from doing that God has called you to do? I want that to just sink in for a minute. What has fear kept you from doing that God has called you to do? You, you look around and say, God, this is impossible. I, I am the least. God, I don't have a degree. God, I don't have the right education. God, I don't have the right personality. God, I don't have the abilities to do this. God, I don't have the right gifts. God, I, I don't have the right connections to make this happen. What has fear kept you from doing that God has called you to do? Maybe, maybe God's calling you to invite somebody to church with you someday. And, and maybe God's calling you to share your faith and, with somebody. And you say, God, I just get so tongue-tied when I try to do that. God, I, I just get all messed up. I don't know uh, what to say. I don't know how to share this. I, I don't know what would come out. I don't have this all figured out. What is fear keeping you from doing that God is asking you to do? Maybe, maybe you're doing great. Going to church and, and you're, you're enjoying the worship and you're enjoying the preaching and you're, and you're getting something out of it. You're, you're still even growing, but maybe God is calling you to go to a new level. Maybe he's calling you to be, get involved in a connect group. Maybe he's calling you to become a leader of a connect group. Maybe he's calling you to, to, to serve in a food bank. Maybe he's calling you to serve in children's ministry. Maybe he's calling you to step up in youth ministry. Maybe he's calling you to go on a missions trip. Maybe he's calling you to help feed hungry people. God is calling you to do something beyond what you're doing right now but you say God I'm not qualified you, you look at yourself and you look at your spiritual life and you say God sometimes I'm on and sometimes I'm off you look at your prayer life and you say sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad you say the things that I want to do I don't do and the things that I shouldn't do I end up doing those all the time God how could you possibly use somebody like me I'm not ready I'm not qualified I, I'm not where I should be I'm kind of a mess God but God looks at you just like he did at Gideon and he says you are a mighty man he says you are a mighty woman there, there's something on the inside of you we say but God I'm afraid what is fear keeping you from doing that God is calling you to do maybe God is giving you an idea for your business Maybe God is calling you or giving you an idea for your career. Maybe he wants you to put in for a promotion. Maybe he wants you to put in for a transfer for your job. Maybe he, he has some seed of some entrepreneurial thought uh, uh, that he wants to place into your mind. Uh, but, but you think, I, I won't be able to do it because I'm not as gifted as somebody else or I don't have the talent that other people have. What is fear keeping you from doing that God is calling you to do? Is anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? Maybe you need to go and forgive somebody. Maybe you need to go and, and try to restore a relationship that has been broken. Maybe, maybe you don't want to put yourself out there, but God is calling you to connect with somebody who needs Jesus and fear is keeping you out. Maybe you're listening to this today and you're on the verge of giving your life to Christ, but you're afraid of what you're going to lose. You're afraid and you're wondering, well, I have to give up my boyfriend. Well, I have to give up my girlfriend. Well, I have to give up this. Well, I have to change that in my life. And fear is keeping you from making the decision to give your life to Christ today. What is God calling you to do that fear is keeping you from doing? If you have something from which fear is holding you back, 
You, you know what you need to do? If fear is holding you back, you need to do the Gideon. Look at somebody near, near you and say, do the Gideon. Do the Gideon. You, you, what is the Gideon, you say? Is it a dance? No, it's not a dance. The Gideon is when God takes an insecure, unsure, fearful people and does the impossible with them. God does that over and over and over and over again all throughout the scripture. God doesn't always use the best and the brightest or, or the, the highest and the most elevated. Listen, I am absolute proof of that. But God chooses people that other people would throw away. He looks on the inside and he sees something that nobody else sees. And then God uses them. Why? Because when God uses the least among us, he does it through those people. And when we see that happen, we say, if God can use them, then he can use anybody. When God does his work through the nobodies of this world, then God gets all the glory. People say, that had to be God. That was definitely God. It, 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 you know, anybody could have saved, uh, saved uh, through, through Saul, uh, head and shoulders above the rest of Israel. They could have put their trust in him, you know, wearing all that shiny army. But then you bring in David, this little runt, and then we say, God's in this. You hear what I'm saying? God, God wants to get all the glory. God wants you to do the Gideon. God wants you, even though you're insecure, even though you're, you're unsure, even though you're afraid, God wants, God wants to partner with you to do the impossible. Look at what he says in verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. All the Midianites. Now, how many Midianites were there? Historians tell us that there were probably over 125,000 Midianites and there were maybe 200,000 Amalekites. So there were 325,000 enemy soldiers. There were 325,000 of them. Look at somebody and say them. That's a, that's a lot of them, isn't it? But, but uh, God says, I want you to do this, and I'm going to be with you. And Gideon, he starts to say, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, I'm starting to buy in this a little bit. Maybe this is God talking to me here. But he says, but, but could you show me a sign? Anybody asked for a sign before? Ever ask God for a sign? Oh, Lord, just give me a sign, give me a sign, give me a sign. Well, the New Testament tells us that since we are filled with the Spirit, that we should keep in step with the Spirit. Your sign is the Holy Spirit working inside of you and the Word of God speaking to you. But Gideon says, give me a sign if this is what you want me to do, God. Give me a sign if you really want me to save Israel. So he does this crazy thing with a, a young goat and some unleavened bread, and the fire consume, consumes the bread and the meat after they were soaked in the broth, and and Gideon says, all right, that was great, God. I like that sign. But uh, can I have another? <laughs> Anybody been there before? Uh, you know, I, I look at Gideon and I think, I think, Gideon, the angel of the Lord is standing in front of you. What more of a sign do you really need? But Gideon says, Lord, I need another sign. And God was gracious. Aren't you glad that God is gracious with us and patient with us? And, and, and God is gracious to Gideon and he answers his second request for a sign. And after his second request for a sign, you know, the, you would think at that point in time that Gideon would, would be good to go. But look at, at verse 39. This is what he says. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let, let me make just one more request. Allow me just one more test with the fleece. So the angel of the Lord is standing here, you know, he's saying sign one was good. 
Uh, sign two was great, God. I appreciate that, but let me have one more sign. Have you ever been like that with God? Why, why do we do it? Why do we ask for things like this? Well, it's because we're so afraid and, and, and we're asking the question, is God going to be faithful? Is God going to come through? We're looking at ourselves and we're saying, I know I'm not much. How could God use me? God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. Well, here's your sign. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's your sign. The Holy Spirit is in you. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and, the, and God's Spirit lives in you? That's your sign. Uh, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's your sign. That's your sign. You can, you can stand up against every enemy because the Lord is with you. This, this is the sign God has for you today. So they go on and they do this whole fleece thing and you know, they get through all of that and he says, all right, Gideon says, all right, I'm convinced. This is, this is definitely God. He's the one talking to me. I'm going to go with you, God. I'm going to do this thing. Look at verse, verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel, Israel out of Midian's hand. Now, I want to give you two truths that I've learned from this story. Number one is this. God's strength in your weakness is enough. God's strength in your weakness is enough. God says to Gideon, he says, listen, you go in the strength that you have. See, some of us are, are waiting for something else to happen, to, to do the thing that God's called us to do. And God is saying to you today, go in the strength that you have. It, with, with God, his strength through our weakness is exactly enough. It, it, through God, you have everything you need to do great things. I'm sure you remember the story of the poor widow in the Old Testament. She and her son are about to starve to death. And the prophet says, what's in your house? And she says, Nothing, nothing's in there except for a little bit of oil. And you remember the story of how God multiplied that oil and it, and it filled every vessel that they could, that they could find. Uh, listen to me. I want you to hear something about that story. The miracle was already in the house. The miracle was already in the house. She had everything she needed for the miracle. It was already there. The, 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 the little bit of oil was already there. Now she needed the vessels. She had to gather those up so she could hold the miracle. Uh, but, but the miracle was already in her house. And here's what God is saying to Gideon. Here, and here's what God is saying to you. Here's what God is saying to Restoration Life Church. He's saying, don't wait until this happens or until that happens. Don't keep saying this has to fall in line or that has to fall in line if you wait until conditions are perfect to do something for God you're going to be waiting until the day you die you have to go in the strength you have to do what God has called you to do the miracle is already in the house you don't need another degree you don't need another 10 years of praying you just need to do what God has, has called you to do today but you say, but I have to get this lined up and I have to get that lined up. No, you just start serving now. You, you just start stepping out in faith now and God will take care of lining up what needs to be lined up. Go in the strength that you have. You know, sometimes people say, 
uh, here at the church at Restoration Life Church, they say, oh, God, you know, when we, when we finally get a new building, then we're going to really be able to do something. Well, you know, no, go, let's go in the strength that we have, and we can really do something now. Well, Pastor, if we just had more young families, if we had more young people, if we had more, more people in their 20s, then we could really do something. No, we can go in the strength we have and really do something now. Well, if we just had a full-time youth pastor and we had a full-time children's pastor, we had a full-time worship pastor, then we'd really be able to do something. No, we can go in the strength we have now because we have the word, we have the spirit, we have his anointing, and we have the people of God. Everything we need for a miracle is already in the house. It's already in the house. And the same is true not only for our church, but it's the same is true in your house. You have to get up and go in the strength you have to do the thing that God has called you to do. In your weakness, God's strength will be made perfect. God will enter in at your point of weakness. In that place where, where, that you thought was going to be the thing that was going to destroy you, God can turn that into a testimony about his work, of his, a testimony of his grace, a testimony of his power in your life. Listen, the truth is if you had it all together, you wouldn't need God. Go in the strength you have and do the thing that God has called you to do and trust him to add the strength that you need. Listen, do you, you think I feel like preaching every Sunday morning? Uh, you think that I feel like getting up here and pouring out my heart every, every week? No, the truth is some days it's harder than others. Some days it's, you know, some days the voice doesn't cooperate. Sometimes Sometimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Sometimes I get up here and it just feels like nothing flows and, and it just feels like I stumble all over myself. There, there are days like that, but, but I, I tell you this, you, you don't just sit down and say, I don't feel like doing it, I don't have it today. You get up and you do what God has called you to do. You go in the strength that you have and God will meet you at your point of weakness. He will not let you down because God is faithful. Over and over he says to Gideon, I will be with you. Listen, hear me on this today. The Lord is with you, and if he is with you, then he is all that you need. Go in the strength you have. His strength in our weakness is enough. It's enough. It's always enough. God doesn't say, man, I was going to I was going to help you today, but I just used so much strength over the Middle East today. There's just not enough left over for Marion. Uh, no, it never runs out. His mercies are new every morning. His strength in your weakness never runs out. It never runs out. Now, the second thing I, I notice is this. Sometimes with God, sometimes to move forward, you have to move backwards. Sometimes the way forward feels like it's the way backwards. Look at Gideon. He, he gets excited. He, I've heard from God. He's going to use me to deliver the people of Israel from the hand of the Midianites. He gets all excited. He goes out all throughout Israel and he puts up all the posters and says, let's go attack the Midianites. And, and he ends up with, uh, with a pretty good-sized army of 32,000 soldiers. He's feeling pretty good about that. However, he looks at the situation. He says, God, now, now I have 32,000 men in my, my army, but they have 325,000 soldiers. And he says, God, this is, this is not looking good. And God says, you know, you're right. I feel exactly the same. Why don't you tell all those who are afraid to go on home? And so so Gideon's like, what? Oh, that's a good one, God. That's a good one, God. That's hilarious. And God says, I'm serious. 
And so Gideon, he goes out there and he says, all right, if anybody's too afraid to fight, you just head out now. And the Bible says that 22,000 men left. So it leaves him with 10,000. And, and so, uh, you, you know, I mean, Gideon's like, God, I thought we were moving forward on this thing. Sometimes forward is backwards with God. So the Lord looks at Gideon, he, he talks to Gideon, and he says, all right, well, you got 10,000, but there's still too many. <laughs> I don't want you. Sometimes God says things, and it just, if, it just seems so comical to me that it makes me want to laugh. But that's, I mean, if I'd been Gideon, that's what all I could have done because I'd have been so shocked when he says, 10,000, no, no, that's still too many. Gideon looks at God and says, God, your, your math is really bad on this thing. You know, there, there are 325,000 of them. There are 10,000 of us. You must be doing that new quarantine math everybody's talking about because this doesn't make any sense at all. And God says, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to take the men down to the water and I'll sift them for you. Uh, you, you probably remember the story. It was one of my favorite stories when I was a kid. Uh, hearing these stories from the Bible. And the Lord says, I want you to separate out all of those that, that lap. Uh, they, he told them to get a drink. He says, separate all those that, that, that lap up with their tongue like a dog, that get down on all fours and lap it up uh, from those that cup the water with their cup and drink it from their hands. And, and, and he did that. And, and there were only 300 men that cupped the water from their hand. And God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Uh, those 9,700 that lapped like a dog, you send them on home. So now he's down to 300 men. His army has shrunk to 300 men. As you know, if, you're like Gideon, if you were Gideon in that moment, you would be saying, God, I thought we were going forward, but it seems like we're going backwards here. What am I going to do with 300 men? Sometimes you're like, God, I'm praying for my teenager. I've been praying and praying and praying, but it's not getting better. It seems like it's just getting worse. Hear me today. Sometimes the way to move forward with God seems as if we're moving backward. I mean, you have an example. Have you ever cleaned out a closet? How many have noticed that the room gets messier before it gets cleaner? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes you say, God, work in this problem. God, work in this situation. And it sometimes seems to go backward before it goes forward with God. Sometimes we pray for church growth. But sometimes you have to, to in order to go forward, you have to go backward. Sometimes there has to be subtraction before you can have multiplication, and, and that's not a bad thing. We say, God, I want to move forward. And we think to move forward, that means that we need to add to our soldiers. So we think moving forward is adding to the 32,000 soldiers. And so we're, we move forward to 50,000, to 100,000, to 200,000, 250,000. But, but as we think we're moving forward, the reality is that we're actually moving farther away from God. When you're going from 32,000 to 10,000 down to 300 soldiers, then what's happening is that your level of dependency upon God is actually going up because the only way you're going to have victory is if God comes through in the battle. That's the only way. Look at what the Lord says in verse 7 of chapter 7. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. 
God says it's like a slingshot. You ever owned a slingshot when you were a kid? I had, well, I don't even know if they sell them anymore. They're probably not politically correct, but we had, I had a slingshot when I was a kid. The thing about a slingshot was for it to be any good, you had to pull backwards. It had to go backwards before anything would ever go forward. And God says, that's what it's like sometimes with me. S some of us, you, you, some of us, we want to move forward with God. We want, we want to see progress. We want to move forward in different situations. But listen, to move forward, sometimes you have to step back into your place of prayer. To move forward, you need to step back into your place of dependence. To move forward, you have to step back into your place of, of focus on God. You need to, to, to fall on your knees before you can start running. God says, let's bring this thing back. 32,000, that's okay. 10,000, that's all right. But 300, he says, that's a lot better. Let's step back to this. Well, that night they got there. There's only 300 of them. The camp of the Midianites was low. It was down low in the valley. And the Lord speaks to Gideon. Chapter 7, verse 9. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as lo locusts. They were thicker than mosquitoes in the swamp, thicker than mosquitoes in Marion, which that's saying something. Their, their camels could, do, could, could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling his, uh, a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Listen, the devil is more afraid of you than you ought to be afraid of him. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies. Listen to this. He placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. It's obvious he has not been uh, trained in any kind of military strategy. He has never attended a mil military war co college because this is a crazy battle plan. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets... Then from, all, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and, and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 uh, trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. So, so Gideon lines up his men around the camp in three groups of 100 men each. They smashed some clay jars, they blew some trumpets, and, 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 and they waved some torches. And God caused the people in the camp to just go crazy. And God wins the battle. God wins the battle. Why? Because God specializes 
in taking insecure and unsure and, and fearful people who will cooperate with him. And then with them, he does the impossible. What is God calling you to do today that fear is keeping you from doing? Go forward in the strength of the Lord this morning. It's not over even when you're afraid. Because even when you're afraid, God can use you. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, you know those that are dealing with fear right now. There are a lot of people in this nation living that are just really in a stranglehold of fear. With everything that's happening, there's fear for the future. There's fear for my job. There's how am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to feed my family? There's fear after fear after fear. But God, even when we're afraid, you, you're able to come into that situation. And you're able to bring about, about victory. You're, you're, about, you're able to, to do miracles, Lord God, when, when it seems like that, that's impossible. You love to take the nobodies of this world and do incredible things. And so, God, if there's anybody here watching this that's dealing with fear, I pray that the peace of God would enter into their lives. And they'd say, I know God is with me. If they're a child of God, the Lord is with them and they have nothing to fear. God, if there's somebody watching this, somebody listening to this right now, and you've been calling, you've been saying, I, I want you to go talk to this friend. I want you to go talk to that family member. I want you to tell somebody ab about my son. I want you to talk about Jesus. And they haven't been doing that because fear has been holding them back. God, I pray that today would be a turning point. And the fear won't keep us from reaching forward. The fear that, that fills our hearts won't keep us from moving forward on do and doing the thing that you called us to do. Lord, I pray that you would raise up those to serve in ministries in this church, to serve in ministries in this community, that you would raise up the people of God, that you would look at us, and in the midst of our fear, even when we doubt it ourselves, you would look at us and we would hear the voice of God saying, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And God, I pray that you would show your strength in the midst of our weakness. And that, God, that your name, the name of Jesus, would be glorified because everyone would say, a miracle has taken place in Marion. And I, have, I know the people that are involved. It has to be God. It's got to be Him. And I pray, Lord, that you would glorify your name through us and in us. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.